live from Westside Church in Bend, Oregon. This is Behind the Message. Well, good evening, everybody. My name is Evan Eberker. I'm your creative arts pastor, and my co-host, as typical, is Pastor Ben Fleming. So typical. Our generation's pastor so here. Really, yeah, you hear that whistle? That was for me. That's right. <laughs> We're here this with uh, Pastor Seth Waters. <laughs> who is our new church planner. He's going to be planning out of West Side, a brand new church on the east side of Bend here in Oregon, and we're really excited about that. We're going to get to that in a second. So, Seth, we've been listening to, to this message that you've preached uh, today about a new creation, and I don't think this is just a random topic where you're talking about how we're new creations in Christ. Um, as you're gearing up to launch out of this place and plant a new church, um, talk to us about this concept of, of when we are changed by Christ and given a new start and given a fresh life, how that affects how we see our community and what it drives us to in our community, uh, kind of in that lens of you going out and, and starting a new church to reach people that maybe aren't reached yet. Yeah, it, it's interesting. We, we talked about it earlier today, um, but I, I, I have a core conviction that um, God does not make accidents. I think God, God doesn't do accidents. He doesn't, he doesn't uh, uh, something doesn't just happen and he goes, oops, I pushed the wrong button. That came popped out, you know, or something like that. God actually puts us, I believe strongly God puts us where we are, as we are, when we are on purpose. And I don't believe it's an accident that you are here tonight. I don't believe it's an accident you live in the neighborhood you live in, in the city you live in, in the state you live in, in the year you live in. There was a lot of years before this that we all could have been born and we weren't. We, we're alive today, and there's a reason for that. And I, I think that as we start to understand the new creation and the new identity that we have as followers of Jesus, it, it gets us off of the sidelines of life. I, I don't know about you guys, but I don't want to sit on the sidelines. I, I don't want to be a person who just believes something great. We talked about it earlier how, it, you know, it doesn't really matter what I believe until it changes how I live. I want to be a person who gets off the sidelines and makes a difference where God has put me. That's in my neighborhood, that's in my family, that's in my community, in my city, and I believe God puts us. And so when we start to understand that, when we start to understand the new identity, the new creation that we are, we can start to live it. It allows us to live on purpose and, and for a destiny, really for a calling. So what's, what's maybe a good strategy to put together for tomorrow? Because I've noticed in my life something happens between the inspiration on Sunday mm -hmm. and going to bed and then waking up on Monday and then actually showing up and seeing that coworker that you're talking about in the face, you know, or, or experiencing that same uh, behavior that my kids have again and again. Because a lot of times in these spaces with my children in childcare, I feel really motivated. I feel like I can do this thing, this whole identity stuff. It makes sense to me. And then it's kind of like, um, I think it was Mike Tyson that said every, every fighter has a strategy in the ring until they get punched in the face. <laughs> and then it all kind of goes out. And sometimes, man, I just feel like this whole thing is so awesome and identity and yeah, and then I walk out on the Monday or the Tuesday or the Wednesday and then I get punched in the face. What is maybe to put us in the ring ourselves. What is the strategy that we can come up with or some, some triggers that can help us actually not just keep this here on a Sunday, but keep it with us on a Monday? Yeah, I, I, think, uh, I think the reality about our faith is that it's not cheap. Salvation is free, but being a disciple of Christ will cost me everything. And it should, it should, it should cost me something. Am I allowed to say that? I think, yeah, I'm allowed to say that. It should cost me something. It, being a follower of Jesus is not easy. It's simple, 
in that I trust in him and I follow him, but it's, it's, not, it's not easy. It's not, it's not for the light of heart, right? This is something that, that if we're called to be disciples of Jesus, this should cost me something. I, I think the reality is when we talk about how God sees the people earlier, I use the words chosen, loved, precious, valuable, honored, worthy of love, and we're talking about how God sees the people that are, he's put around us. And, and the truth is that um, he calls them that before they ever did anything to be deserved to be called that. And so when that comes to how I treat people, I'm actually, as a new creation, challenged by the Father to love people as though they are that before they've ever earned me loving them like they are that. And it's not because of, of what they've done. Paul actually just talked about it in the verse we shared earlier. He said that, um, it, it, you know, we, we used to look inside. Uh, we got it all wrong. Well, it's in there somewhere. But he said the idea, trust me, it's in there. The, no, I can <laughs> I see it right now. It's but fine. no, the, the idea is that we don't, we don't but yeah, he said we don't look at people because of what they have or what they can do. We don't, we're not chosen love because of that. We're chosen love because of how God sees us. And so what we're meant to do as disciples of Jesus is love people like God loves them and see people like he sees them in spite of how they act and how they treat us. That's our challenge. And so the, the strategy we have is actually saying, I'm serious about living this thing out. I, I'm ready to do it. And, and that's not going to be out of our strength. You know what I'm talking about? That, that, I can't do that. I just can't. I would love to be able to do that, but I think there's an intentional waking up. I, we, we didn't, I didn't say it tonight, but the, the, the thing about identity is that it has to be walked out. It, it can't, it's not only given, identity is owned every day. I love that you brought up the cost of it. Uh, even as, as I've, I've been listening to you talk about identity, so much of um, how we view our identity in Christ is, a, is positive outcomes all the way through. You know, we step into new life and, and new hope and and freedom from sin, and all these great things, but there is a cost to it, and I love that you brought that up, because especially when we look at the people that uh, Paul was writing to uh, in the early church, mm -hmm. to step into a new identity in Christ was to be ostracized from their family, mm -hmm. to be ostracized mm -hmm. from the, the, everything that they knew, everything that was uh, culturally acceptable. They were stepping into what was seen uh, really as this strange, small little cult off in this corner of Judaism that now they were going to uh, get baptized into that at great personal cost. Yeah. Is there a cost culturally to step into a new identity in Christ? Are you asking me? Um, yeah. Or anyone. <laughs> I, I, you know, <laughs> text in if you yeah, have the answer. Like, it's 541. Yeah, of course there is. I mean, loving my enemy costs me something. Hmm. And, and they don't even have to be my enemy. It still costs me something to love people, right? And the strategy that you talked about, Ben, I don't think I even answered your question. I think the strategy about how we go about doing that is waking up every morning and saying, Lord, I'm not strong enough to do this on my own. I need you today to help me to see people like you see them. And I'm going to choose to be a person who willingly slows down before I just react, before I just say what I think. I, today, I'm going to choose to slow down and be aware of, of what you're saying to me. And, and if I don't feel like I hear your voice, then I'm going to slow down to just do these, these, th these seven things. Chosen, love, precious, valuable, honored, worthy of love, and just treat people like God says they are. Yeah, but I think it does cost me something, absolutely. One of the, the, the group of people that I think about is not, uh, is not always, okay, so because of this, I get to react in a loving manner toward this group of people, and I can go out. And um, the first group of people that I think about when it comes to identity is the people that feel like it's already been so built in and ingrained 
in their life. Maybe they have, this is how it was dealt for them. Some people uh, who are born into a, an abusive relationship or uh, a family or, or they were even, some are, are born drug abusers, right, because of what's going on in the system and their mom before they're even born, all these things. I think about the people who because of well, the situation that they were simply brought into and had no power over, that so often defines who we are. I, I like to say all the time, what side of the tracks that you are on sometimes has the, the ability to identify you for the rest of your life. Let's talk a little bit about some of those people who felt like, look, that's all fine and good if I were in a neutral spot, but I'm so far back and so far behind. This is who I am. It's all who I always have been. And so maybe this message is for somebody else. Can we, what can we say to those people who feel like they've just been in it, in one identity for so long? How do we bring them up and out of that? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's a slow process. It's not, it's not like that. Wouldn't it be fun if everything was just like microwave? Like, boo, we're just better. Like, things are better. They're all great. I think the reality is there's a, there's a time of unpacking. I asked earlier, if we were to sit down and have um, coffee, which mine would be a five-shot espresso and a grande ice cup, ice last. Ooh, let's go. Splenda five shots. That's things. Yeah, five. Come on, man. You no, gotta, but that we energy were, has to come from somewhere, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. But if we were to do that and just ask what, what three experiences have, or five or ten experiences have shaped me, I, I think it's important that we're constantly asking that. That's Maybe good. even on a daily basis of what, today, what experiences am I allowing to shape how I'm going to treat people and shaping how I see the situation I'm in? What, what is it? Because the first thing is going to be awareness. The reality is we live most of our life as a reaction to what's happening or is about to happen or just happened. And, and the walk of faith is actually uh, um, choosing, and that's because that's safer, isn't it? Yeah. Isn't it? Like, it's easier just to react. Yeah. It's easier just to, because reaction oftentimes for me, I don't know about you guys, but reaction is sometimes it comes out of fear, because that's the first instinct that I just feel sometimes. I just react. Um, but but, but the, the journey of faith is, like, is saying, let's slow down and let's, let's look at this, and why am I acting this way, and what is it that's driving this? And, and then it's an ownership of that identity and saying, I'm going to choose through the next season to, to step out of those things. I want to begin to be defined by some other things. And then identifying what is it that I do want to define me, right? I've been allowing these things to define me, but, but if, I, if I was a new creation, let's start there. <laughs> if I was, what would I, what would I allow to yeah. define me there? What what would be different in that process? Yeah. Uh, let's go to some of and your... Can I... One more? Sorry. Uh, no. Let me just, yeah, you can, of course. I can? Okay. <laughs> um, I, I would say also, man, we try to do so much alone. Yeah. This is a, this is a journey. We're not meant to walk it alone. As, as disciples, as followers of Jesus, that's why we need each other. And if you're walking that process, there are plenty of people, I know a part of the leadership team here at Westside that would love to walk through that journey with you. Um, and, and the brothers and sisters who are even sitting around you or in some of these blue groups, these pop-up groups that are popping up around town, um, where you could meet people who would love to um, begin to come alongside you and, pr- and pray with you about, about finding your definition in something different. Yeah. And what an opportunity with your church plant, uh, uh, the start of a new community and a yeah. new chance, maybe for some uh, people who have struggled to find community uh, in, in this uh, church, you know, the size of church or, or to yeah. come into something that is, is just sprouting, is just starting uh, to find maybe a, a community that you haven't found necessarily here at this church. Uh, this is an opportunity, you know. Yeah. We, I, I think we're under no 
idea that this church, Westside Church, can absolutely meet every single need for every single person. I'm looking at Steve to make sure we're okay. But uh, that this is another expression of our faith and community and what Christ is doing in Bend. Um, and so uh, how cool if, if maybe some here tonight could find what they've been looking for from a church in a church uh, in, this, in this new plant, which is su- yeah. super cool. Amen. I do want to get to some of these comments, and I know Ben is looking at Facebook Live. I don't know if there's any comments there, but uh, here's one. I heard a great phrase. It's not who we are. It's whose we are. I love mm. that. That makes us mm. loved and set apart. Uh, someone is asking, uh, can you give examples of tangible ways to love that coworker? Mm-hmm. I would add to that, that family member, mm-hmm. that person we see all the time. Um, what, are, what are ways to put into, the, into practice seeing people through the lens of, of the newness of Christ? And, and how do we tangibly, practically uh, love people? Yeah. Um, the first thing would be just not speak in your mind sometimes. I know nobody here deals with that. <laughs> But I know for me, I've got to slow down. I, I, I get so busy just reacting and saying what the first thing that comes to my mind. And again, when I trace it back, it's often founded out of fear and trying to protect what I've got and the whole, just that whole thing. And, and sometimes it's just slowing down to, to, to look at what's really happening and just closing my mouth. Um, maybe sometimes it's actually, uh, it's asking questions, even internally, like why, I wonder what's going on in that person's life today. I wonder why they are acting the way they're acting. It's amazing what the Lord will speak to us when we ask him questions. Like, Lord, would you show me a way that I could actually, is there something going on where I could be an encouragement to that person? And uh, that sounds really weird, especially if you work like in a tire shop, (laughs) you know, like I'm going to go encourage the dude next to me, you know, but like the the reality is all of us can find relevant ways to encourage and build others up regardless of the scenario and the situation and that commitment to be there. I I really believe that when, when we make that commitment, God will make the opportunity. My, I I have a rule where I go into a situation that I feel like might not be my favorite. Uh, I give, I give somebody five questions. And I, I ask that those are questions that I will ask them. I'll ask them five questions about their life, what's going on with family or their relationship or their job or whatever. I will give myself five questions because what I've noticed is when I do that and I find myself in closer proximity to that person that has been an irritant to me or maybe even has been uh, dangerous for me in a relational way, when I pr- find myself in closer proximity, I find that when I understand the real person, mm-hmm. then so many of the feelings that I've had of of hatred or misunderstanding or frustration have the tendency to go away. It's kind of like when somebody talks to me via text or they talk to me uh, on social media and I, I get an idea of their tone or how they're, what they're saying to me and then I speak to them about that thing in real life and it changes everything. Is all of a sudden that political argument that was happening on Facebook that got so violent and mean, and, and you talk to that person about the same issue over a cup of coffee or over lunch or something like that, it changes the dynamic, and it feels that way when it comes to that person that, I, that I've lived in dysfunctional relationship with. If I say, nope, I'm going to get myself closer to you. I'm going to yeah. push my proximity a bit closer so that That's I have great. a greater understanding of who you are. And I'm telling you, how many times I've asked somebody five questions and I've actually come out feeling completely differently about mm. the other person? Or sometimes you, ju- you just disarm them mm. because they're so ready to come at you for something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so that's my, you want a real practical tip for me, that's the best mm-hmm. one I got. Go into the next situation where you have a hard time with someone. Ask them 
five questions. Yeah. Um, and then you might be like, no, this is actually worse. Uh, then run away. And uh, <laughs> that's not very And actually, there's a comment in response to what we just said. Uh, and this person saying, love everyone no matter how they treat you, but what about abusive people? Mm-hmm. Loving them like Jesus often perpetuates mm-hmm. more abuse, and I think that's a fair point. If yeah. there's a situation where um, you're just allowing, you know, uh, people to be yeah. abusive in a situation, how do you cut that off? Because right. that's yeah. not healthy. No, you know, I don't think we're saying, oh, just yeah. just keep that cycle going. Yeah, yeah. that's a really good question. I'm glad you asked that. Um, I think I think we have to be wise. Right, and we have to be discerning, and we have to be aware of, of what's what's happening around us. And by no means would we sit up here and say if someone is abusing you or hurting you or hurting your kids or your family, should you stay around that person? That's not what we're saying. Sure. What we're saying is that we're here to come alongside and help people in that process as well. Um, uh, as a general rule, I think that we're called to love. I think that's what Jesus said, and that's what we're meant to do. But in no way, if someone is abusing you and there is a perpetual thing that is going on, it's time to seek some outside help as well. And there are, there are options, and we'd love to come alongside you as a church leadership as well. Yeah, and let's not discount loving people from a distance sometimes. Right. Sometimes that is actually the best way, in fact, to love them, and especially in abusive situa- situations like this. Uh, you know, I heard a pastor once say, uh, call on Jesus and then call the cops, because uh, sometimes <laughs> that's the most important way to deal with a relationship. And of course, in extreme situations like this, please, yes, again, understand yeah. that we are not proponents uh, of, of abusive relationships, but we are always proponents of loving the way that Jesus yeah. did. So, so Seth, as you are um, kind of gathering people who are interested and, and talking about what's next in the season of, of planting, um, I want to talk about the new identity of this church uh, because we've seen, we've seen different uh, versions of this, different churches do different things, either campuses or multi-sites mm-hmm. or simulcasts or church planting. Um, so talk to us a little bit. How closely tied is this new church that you'll be leading to Westside? Is this yeah. a campus? Is this its own thing? Is this, um, you know, what is this? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for that. And I think, so, so we, I, I wasn't here when Westside did the South Campus. Um, I know that it was a ministry impacted people, and there was, a, it was an extension of Westside Church. Uh, this church plant will be a completely separate church with separate leadership, separate staff, separate tax ID number. We're going the whole thing. Like, this will be a separate church body. And as Pastor Steve shared a couple weeks ago, it will have a separate uh, um, culture and context, really. Um, uh, You can't get a guy as energetic as me, you know, and and not have it feel even a little bit different. You know, What are you saying about our energy level around here, Seth? Excuse me? It's it's getting late for me. I don't know about you guys. I know we're ready for bed. No, I just, no, it's just different. We're going to be different, right? We're going to be two different churches, but we're going to be connected. We're family, right? So we are part of what's called the Foursquare denomination, the Foursquare movement of churches, about 50,000 churches around the world, and we belong to that family of churches here at Westside. And uh, the new church plant will be a part of that church, and uh, we will be part of the same family. And so, and we're going to walk in a lot of areas in, in total alignment, and we're going to partner together and serve together, but it will not be a campus and it will not be a, an ex, you know, another thing of what, it won't be an ev- another expression of Westside on another part of town. Yeah. This will be a whole different church. A couple of questions that people ask me is number one, why in the first place? And just so you guys know, statistics will show you that the, the fastest way to reach three to 400 people in an area that is already heavily populated with, with, uh, with a single church that is seeing a lot of success, quote unquote, a lot of people impacted and change, uh, is actually to just straight up plant another one. 
That's the fastest way for us to reach another three or to 400 people in the, in the city of Bend, which is what this is all about, right? Mm-hmm. And it's another part of the reason that you are not an identical twin to Steve Mickle. And we're not interested mm-hmm. in that as we send you out and make right. this a part of our city. We are interested in you continuing to complete the tapestry of the vision of Jesus right. for Central Oregon. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And so what can people expect when it comes to being part of that? So yeah, it's not going to be the same thing. So what can they expect if this is something that's piquing their interest? Um, so, so you asked two questions. You said, why do we need another church? And then what can people experience, expect to experience? Um, and I didn't know we were jumping into all this, which I'm excited to jump into. Um, but just, you know, so I'm processing out loud here. Um, the reality is less than 5% of people in Central Oregon attend a, f- a church community. That's, that's incredible. Somebody, I heard somebody say, wow, that's pretty incredible, right? Yeah. Less than 5% of the population in Central Oregon attends a faith, a church community. And what that means is if there is one person who is far from Christ in Central Oregon, there is plenty of room for another church community to come alongside and to be born into, this, into Central Oregon. I've loved it as I've started to connect with pastors across the east side, whether it's you know Pastor Blaine over Eastmont or Pastor Pete at Antioch yeah. or Pastor Randy at Father's House. It's been so much fun to get to know these pastors, and God is doing something great there, and we are in no way coming in and going, we're here to save the world. What we're doing is going, well, what could we bring to this? The table. Yeah. What, what could God call us to, to bring into the tapestry yeah. of what's already being built in the community? What, what could we bring that conversation? And it's been so much fun because we're really about partnering with other churches That's and good. seeing what God is doing and coming alongside and, and, and becoming a louder voice for the body of Christ. And I think that's a big Do you deal. feel tension when you talk to these other guys at other churches like, whoa, 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 you know, is there, is there a sense of turf? Like, what are those conversations There's like? There is Steve Mickle's spy sent to the east side. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, these are some pretty intense questions you guys are asking me up here. Um, We don't actually prep for this. We don't tell you anything beforehand. This is great. Um, No, I think that it, first of all, it's important how we go. That's, it always is important how you come, right? If you come into the conversation saying that we are Westside and we are here to save the world, that's a very different conversation than grabbing coffee with somebody and saying, we want to, what is God already doing here that we can come alongside you and be a part of that? Yeah. And um, because we've chosen to do it that way, we're not perfect and we're not probably always going to hit a home run, but because we've chosen to come humbly alongside other churches and see where we fit, there's been a really good response. And people are excited. People are, there, there's not turf, right? People are excited about being, about, uh, about partnering together and really uh, uh, seeing, seeing more of the community reached for Jesus Christ. And we can confidently say that this is a part of the identity of Westside Church. And it, yeah. and I will say it's a part of the identity of Steve Mickle as the lead pastor of this church. Yeah. Um, there is nothing about the culture of Westside that says, man, if we can just keep stacking people in these seats and, you know, we want to grow and we want, we, we do believe in gathering more people and seeing more people saved. That's a huge part of what we want to do. But the fact of the matter is, is that we want to see people saved. Yeah. Period. That's right. And we don't care if they're coming under your roof under, right. or under Eastmont or under Journey Church. That's right. This is the, this is the identity of Westside Church, that we would be a part of a movement of God here, and this is an incredible expression of that. Right, right. And I would, I would add on to that. It's important that we see people saved, and it's also important that we see, see disciples made. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Well, Seth, we're so excited. Uh, we really are excited for, for the future of, of Westside yeah. and this plant yeah, together. I mean, yeah. this, is, this is a family move. This yeah. isn't uh, kicking you out of the nest because 
uh, you know, we're, we're just, we're hoping you take all the people that we don't want anymore. It's nothing like that. It's this exciting thing uh, where, with great intention, uh, we're, we're stretching out into a new place in town. And I can't so wait good. to see yeah. how this plays out. So um, thank, can we thank Seth tonight? Yeah. yeah. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, all of our, our back episodes of Behind the Message are on our website, behindthemessage.org. And uh, we'll be back next week with one more episode here live on this stage. Thanks so much.